Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, all right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. I know you have been holding your breath for a week. It's the best Tuesday you've had all week, and we are stoked to be here. This is Dave Littlejohn in studio, joining me as often. Do I say often? It's almost as always. Almost always. I know at this point, at some point, it's like, hey, Matt, can you learn to work the board too? So if I'm ever like gone, because sometimes I travel for business, you like, I can push the button. Yeah, there's like three sliders. I think I can get it. I think you can. If right, there's four buttons, though, I'm out. That's just too, <laughs> that's too much, David. Just, just so we're clear, we're, we're out at that way. I'm trying to figure out here. It looks like i got about 12 channels on this board and then a master slider. And then there's um, different – you know what? Our what happens if you push them all at the same time? It could get really loud or break something. That sounds like fun. I know, right? It's it's actually those are famous words right there. It could get really loud or break something. Just trust me. <laughs> if you hear all of that at the same time, you know what you do? Walk away. Yeah, just, just just turn and leave. Does the window behind you open, or are we going to have to walk out the front? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll see you do it. So uh, we're really excited to be back. And uh, you know what? Uh, first of all, there's so many things on my mind that I'm really trying to coalesce around how to make this a decent show. Uh, there's some stuff that I think a lot of people are talking about. One of them, last week, we officially got numbers that uh, inflation came in hot, Right. I mean, like six percent okay. hot. It, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like last quarter, six percent hot, and that's by modern measures. If you were to use, and I'm reading about this, right? I haven't gone out and snooped out all it of the data. It feels higher than that. Well, that's what they're saying is if we use the same metrics as what they were using in like the Carter administration in the late '70s, measuring inflation back then. Which I'll admit, while I was around, I wasn't paying attention. I think I was potty training. But uh, if if you look back to 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 the seventies and even the early eighties, this really really high runaway inflation, and you use similar measurement tools, like you apply the measuring methodology of of the seventies to today's numbers, and our inflation would be even higher than what was published. Right? Wow. We've gotten more sophisticated in the way we measure numbers, uh, and one, saying it that way is the diplomatic way of saying we changed it. Maybe good, maybe bad. You know, some people are really insistent. No, no, they're gaming the system. They're just trying to screw us all over. Uh, I will, I will kind of go with a different theory. I know I'm going to throw something out there. It's going to just like, throw it out there. Get it on the table, David. I don't believe that most leadership is interested in the destruction of the free world. Right? No, they're probably just more interested in manipulating yeah. it to make it best for them. Right? Aha. Like, uh -huh. Like, right, you nailed it. Like it's the best for them thing. It doesn't yeah. really serve modern leaders of the G20, right? So the the global twenty largest economies, and you think about the positions of power and authority. Who wins if you kill off or subjugate everybody, and you train wreck the economy, and all of the resources that you want to control are evaporate? Yeah, right? they're gone. Mm -hmm. Who the, wins? No one wins. Right. And so there's some people like, well, I just think they want to do it. And I go, why do you think they want to do it? And it's harumph, harumph, harumph. I don't like them. No. Like, I mean, at the end uh, of the day, it's just money, right? Like, well, it, it, it's power. money, except it's, it's fiat, it's, money it's power. power, it's yeah. control. Uh, and control is an abused term, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't get the sense that 
um, whichever political side you are, Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi or whomever is you know on your team or off your team, I don't know that they're so much as interested in what you are going to have for breakfast. Yeah, like I don't think they care. No, uh, I think they kind of care about how they can get blocks of people to keep them installed in power and reelected. They need to make sure that their campaigns are financed well enough to stay there. Yeah, and they're they're busy trading favors to stay at the top of the food chain. Absolutely. So if that's the case, it's it, it, it may be less deliberately sinister than it is just this is the what it looks like when you have you owe enough people favors that you sell out a little bit in lots of places. Right. Not oh, yeah. wholesale sellout, well, but they... like a, a lot of if you sell out a little piece of your soul to thousands of people, then what? That starts to add up pretty quick, right? Like, like can you can you, you can you actually leverage your soul? Hmm, now there's a in Washington D.C. You can. I feel like you might be able. That's to. where you go to bargain your soul. Well, you know, and it's I, I'm thinking of like the Charlie Daniels, right? So the devil's, you know, just <laughs> in a pinch. Please so sing to... that song so I can make a radio promo out of it. Like, <laughs> so if you think about in D.C., uh, you know, you have people that are leveraging other people's souls. Like, yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> So, what does this all have to do with finance? Well, let's get started, right? First of all, inflation running hot, and yet, what do we know? What has history shown us if we kind of go back all the way to the 1970s until today? The market outpaces inflation. Like crazy, right? And I think we've kind of seen that this year, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I was looking at a 10-year chart of the S&P today, mm -hmm. and this year has been like just absolutely killer. Yeah, it's been it's insane. blistering this year in terms of how hot this market has been from a total return perspective. Oh yeah, you know we're we're seeing twelve month returns in some of our client accounts in excess of thirty forty percent mm -hmm. in the last twelve months. In the last eighteen months, you know forty percent returns in the last eighteen months. I just feel bad for the people I know that have just been sitting on their cash, right? Like yeah. just piggy banking it and inflation's just going nuts. I mean, I went to the grocery store the other day and I'm like, oh, that'll be like 60 bucks. No, it was over a hundred. Yeah. Like or go, I, you know, it's, it's like the hitting the hundred dollar fuel tank for me. Oh yeah. Right. You know, I've yes. got three kids. They're all, none of them are driving age yet. So oh, the mom and dad are. taxi is the real deal. And we need a large vehicle for our, our family. To just get everybody everywhere, and uh, we also needed something with some, you know, more utility capacity. So it wasn't a minivan for us. So it's thirsty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, it's the hundred dollar fill up about once a week, and you just go, wow, that is that's a material difference from when they were fifty dollar fill ups or yeah. sixty, you know, fifty to sixty dollars, and it's like that. Well, I saw something difference. on the news that an old law from 2017 is finally taking effect, and so are gas prices. I think KZI was running that article this morning. We're going to see a hike at the gas pump, too. So, I don't know. You're going to feel just, the burn even worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's what a cocktail of events that have gotten us here. Uh, those of you that know me well know I'm capable of just running off in the weeds about politics. It doesn't serve our purpose as investors. I think if we're to be constructive about this, rather than us wringing our hands and shouting about why we're unhappy with this, 
And you know what? Go to the go vote when it's time. Yep. And let your voice be heard. But the whole scenario is then what parts can we work with and what right. parts can we if not control influence. Okay? Cuz like we can't control the stock market. We can influence it, we can work with it. We can okay? use it to the best of right. our advantage. I mean this is my the equivalent of saying like if you jump in a river and that that it's a strong current, you can try to fight it and be overwhelmed or you can try to navigate it, work with it to and to to get to a safer space. Right. Mm -hmm. How you choose to approach this problem solving can have a material impact on your survival. Yeah. Okay. Swim to the shore and build a boat. Right. Or build a bridge and don't negotiate the water at all. Oh, I like that one even better, David. Right. So it's what what might you be able to do with some creative problem solving? So if we think about the markets are telling us something, right? Not just the stock market. I mean inflation and the economy it's telling us that we've got issues okay we all there's nobody out there that hasn't seen there's a couple of knowns if your head is in the sand right now we, we can't help you any longer right well we, we can you just got to pick up the phone oh, okay <laughs> i know the well, number now david well, we yeah, we can help you the question is will you be helped that is really the question okay will you be helped some people just are like they're just defiant about things and they're not going to do it what it's an obstinate defiant kind of group and you go like no i just won't do it uh this is the group that uh, it's controversial to say but you know there's a small but very real group of people that will be homeless because mm -hmm. right they're, they're not interested in not being homeless can't talk them out of it yeah Right. So that now there are other people, there are other reasons that that's, you know, and I think now that's not even a politically correct term. But on this program, you all know, I just don't care enough to be politically correct. So if we are thinking about what what do we need to do to help those that are interested in help being helped? OK, well, that's a different story. Right. First of all, I would suggest that markets are often misunderstood because people shorten their time horizon and they miss some of the key things, right? Like the Warren Buffett blocking and tackling basics of the market. Mm -hmm. And the reason I want to have a conversation about this today, Matt, is because I think folks forget the blocking and tackling sometimes. You know, yeah. we, we get real sophisticated. We start getting cute with it. And right about the time that everybody's calling me and saying, I want to sell everything and buy gold, right? I had one on the phone today. Yeah. And so when that happens, what do we do? Well, first we listen. But I, I want to help our listeners to unplug a little bit of this. We're going to talk about how to break down this market and how to make some different decisions. Can I steal your quote from earlier today? When the money moves, the market moves. Like, am I jumping to the end of the show, or can I, I steal that? When quote? the money flows, or, the market yeah, goes. There it so, is. All right, we'll talk about when the money flows, the market goes. They're gonna make us take a break. That's so, our. So we're gonna do that, right? And that's our title for the show today. By yep. the way. And I don't know if the music's playing or not because my headphones aren't working. But uh, so I will trust that it is, and then we will. 
be right back. So stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Show, where we are going to cover the stuff that we want to help you build wealth with, right? If you're just catching up, grab the podcast. Where is it, Matt? It's on the website. So The website. All right, so there you go. Just go to the, the web. The internet, fine. it'll just automatically pop up. Right, if you just shout at Siri, hey, Siri, take me to Little John Financial Services, yep. then uh, it'll be in there. You can find the podcast. Will it be under Educate? Uh, under the Educate tab. Yeah. You can also f- find it through iTunes, and there's a few other places you can go. And Man, uh, we're really it. popular, aren't we, David? I don't know if we're popular, but we are distributed. Ah, there we go. Yeah, let's go with that. So, Matt, uh, when our heroes left at the cliffhanger, we were, we were going to share with uh, all of our listeners. So here we have a bunch of inflation going on, and purchasing power is a really, really big deal. Okay. What am I talking about, first of all? With purchasing power? Yeah. I mean, like, if you go out and you sink $100,000 into some preferred stock and it's not liquid, well, you've lost your purchasing power because your money's locked up. So that's more like an opportunity cost, right? Purchasing power to me is what you lose from an inflation perspective. Okay. Right? If you consider... I mean, you're, you're right. So your purchasing power, think about if, if your capital is tied up, you're illiquid. Yeah, you don't have right? any purchasing power. So um, liquidity is... It's a part to, of it. It's not all yeah, of it. Yeah, so purchasing power is like the dollar's ability to buy something, right? So it's like gas prices going up. It means if you make the same amount of money, mm-hmm. you can buy less stuff because more of it's directed to gas. If you didn't get that cost of living exactly. increase to your wage... You've lost purchasing power. Exactly. So inflation destroys purchasing power. So what we need to do is protect it. And when I see people that start to say things like, well, I want to go purchase gold. Okay. I want to specifically address this one. Not because I I know we've had some clients that have asked about this and so forth, but I think it's not just clients. I think lots of people wonder about this. Yeah. And, and gold is a really interesting one. Um, and, and I'll explain why. Gold is not just a commodity any longer. Gold is its own tradable market. Uh, Somewhere 15 or so years ago, they created exchange-traded funds, one of which trades gold futures. And uh, so now you can can buy what amounts to a proxy for the value of gold. It's an instrument that mimics the price of gold and trades in the marketplace like gold, but it's not gold. Right, it's like buying a piece of paper that represents gold and trading that piece piece of paper around amongst people. Hmm. It's not the you never take physical possession and put it in your vault. Right, right. You just have like the right to a claim on gold that you're selling back and forth. I'm oversimplifying, but it created a bit of a trader's market. Right, so just like oil can be traded around and so forth, gold has some actual like industrial uses yeah right that most of it's uh so there's in electronics in certain metallurgies and then uh, you you know jewelry and so forth but largely gold doesn't have huge applications i mean it gets used like i said electronics mostly because it's a, a really good conductor that doesn't corrode much what about silver isn't silver more widely used silver's in got a much higher 
industrial use. Yeah. And silver's got some other properties. And historically, silver runs about a sixteen to one value to gold. You know, so for okay. a, if every, you know, divide gold's price by sixteen, and it's about what an ounce of silver would be. Mm-hmm. Roughly, it changes, right? It's not static, but historically, at least my memory recalls, that's where it was. So, when people buy gold or silver, which silver is just a lower cost way to proxy gold, really. Why? And it's usually as an inflation hedge, Mm -hmm. right? Because they're not, you know, it's really, really hard and expensive to synthesize gold, right? To create gold in like a chemical fashion. It takes tons of energy input to produce a gold molecule, if you will. It's way cheaper to dig it out of the dirt than to try to conjure it. So, like, it costs more to conjure it than it's worth. Yeah. Okay. So, if that's the case, then it's a it's something that's finite, and it's something that is hard to so it's hard to duplicate. Can't replicate it really. Right. It's hard to copy. You can make stuff that looks like gold, but it's pretty easy to determine that it's not gold. There's simple testing to to validate authenticity and what have. So. Gold is, for all intents and purposes, useful because there's only so much of it in existence. Mm -hmm. And if the currency is going to deflate, or sorry, inflate, right? Right. So you're going to lose purchasing power. Then it's going to take more of the less strong dollar. (laughs) That's a terrible way to phrase it, right? It's going to take more dollars if the purchasing power goes down Mm -hmm. to buy the same amount of gold. And I feel like Bitcoin, I know I'm probably dragging us off into the weeds, but Bitcoin really kind of mimics that with gold because it is finite. There's only so many Bitcoins, it's finite. and Right. Uh, that, that, is, that is true about the way Bitcoin works in terms of scarcity. Right. The fact that it's electronic, if you could somehow wipe the record, you could create a problem. Right. Right, where gold but is But it can't physical. be mimicked. Right. I mean, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, not we. Don't, there's not enough, as far as I know. There's not enough network computing power on the planet to spoof the blockchain because it would yeah, require no. so much processing power that you could go in and completely recode everything while it's being simultaneously managed by everything else. It's just there's. I don't think you can hijack it. Mm-mm. I don't. I don't think that kind of computing power exists. I don't think so either. So, in that case. Yes, it is a. There's a finite amount of an existence, and that's why people say it's digital gold. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what cryptocurrency represents. It's this digital finite resource, and the government can't manipulate it or print more of it, or you know, and it's decentralized, so no government can monkey with it. Um, we can come back to that in a minute. Okay. But back to the gold concept. The issue I have with it is, it doesn't do anything. Mm. Right. Like it's not really super relevant. It's not a relevancy issue as much as, you know, in the stock market, when you buy companies, you know that they are producing something Mm -hmm. that's relevant in the economy, and they're trying to add value and enhance their value. I see where you're going with this. So it's not an inflation hedge. You expect quality companies to actually increase in value as they grow. And mm-hmm. you expect the companies that can't grow to shrink and die, and they lose value. Well, and companies can raise prices, too. I mean... If inflation is moving up, maybe you charge more for your product and your company's value. 
you know, reflects that change. Yeah. Or you create something that people want. Yeah. Right. And then the it's the demand side that drives the value. Right. Yeah. Farmers are never going to go broke because you will demand food or you'll stop demanding everything. <laughs> That's how that goes. So if we think about gold for a minute, though, my problem with gold is since it's not producing anything economically, what you're really betting on is a move in currencies that would then create more value in gold. The problem is it's got its own tradable market. It's still being mined, if you will. There are alternatives now. There are other commodities. And you also have the challenge of, I'll call it just right now, currency manipulation. Like for-, for Expand uh, upon that. Well, the, when I look at the way the balance sheet's being managed, I'm gonna look this up, right? Like okay. What's how much is how much do you think the Federal Reserve balance sheet is? Oh man, right? How much do you think is currently? I don't even think I could take a close guess on that. Yeah. So, and I don't, I don't know that I'm gonna find it easily, uh, just through a Google search here. But at last check, I think. Um, here we go. What's on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet? Yeah, that's what I was. I was correct. So at the end of 2019, it's about 4.2 trillion. Today in 2021, 8.1 trillion. Oh, it's it doubled? Was, it was less than a trillion before 2008. And so consider what, you know, the Federal Reserve, That's just exponential the growth. system, it's, it's, it is exponential growth. But unlike 2008, when it was the mainstream, like the consumer-facing, uh, it's still institutional marketplace, but but institutional, like, f- customer-facing, consumer-facing, because the Fed, you don't get money from the Federal Reserve. You get it from your banks, right? The banks that you go to get the money from the Federal Reserve. <laughs> and so the the retail and and we'll call it, economy-based banks, they didn't have enough capital, and that created the banking crisis in 2008. Mm -hmm. Today, those banks are all really well capitalized, but how? Well, the Federal Reserve has just pumped money into the system like crazy. So Federal Reserve in 2008, $1 trillion in balance sheet, less than, I think it was $800 billion. And today, $8 trillion. So they've been floating the banks in a sense. Well, they've been floating the entire economy. Mm-hmm. If the economy generates about $20 trillion a year in total GDP for the United States, or a little more than $20 trillion right now, then almost 50% of the economy is on the Federal Reserve's balance sheet right now for a year's worth of production. That's an insanely large amount of money. And who, When was the who, last time the balance sheet shrunk? I can't answer that. There's a discussion right now that the Fed wants to stop. They're slowing the rate of purchases of treasuries. But this is the part that's funny to me is the economy better feel good. If you put everything on a credit card, Mm -hmm. you get instant gratification. right? You get to enjoy it right now. You pay for it later. That's the benefit of a credit card. right? It's also the flip side, right? Yeah, there's benefit here, but the cost. Oh, you know, you get to experience that later by paying more. Well, modern monetary theorists are saying, well, maybe you just never pay it off. 
just keep spending until i mean it's like a no limit credit card well if if that were the case then gold should become super valuable unless nobody cares right that's an interesting way to look at it too doesn't care people care about bitcoin more than gold then gold doesn't go up in value because there's no demand and maybe that's why bitcoin's price is the way that it is although bitcoin's been beat up lately right now not beat up like bad but you know, this is another well, one of those where I'm I'm gonna pull up the Bitcoin price charts just sort of I in think real it was time. Around sixty. Fifty nine seven. Oh wow. Right, it was, so it did so drop, it drop below from sixty five to below sixty. And um right, maybe it didn't get to sixty five. That's just yeah, in the last month, I think it was. Yeah, it spiked up to sixty seven five. So down you know, it's lost uh it's down below sixty right now. It's it's definitely slid. So as, as we think about, you know, if Bitcoin is down, I'm not looking at the price of gold right now, but it's just who wants it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so to me, it is, there's less utility. Folks that want to keep it, there's like, if the end of the world came, which is what a lot of these people wanting to purchase gold are thinking is, I better get this in case the world ends. You know, well, what are you going to do with gold if the world's over? Yeah. Right. I mean, my my joke that's not a joke is that's a guns and whiskey trade, people. Mm -hmm. Right. If the end of the world comes and our financial system collapses and all of the infrastructure that provides power and running water and stoplights. Yeah, you're going to pay your water bill like gold. (laughs) Yeah. If all of those things stop because the financial system collapses and there's no reason for anybody to go to work and maintain any of the infrastructure, we're talking Mad Max. Right. Oh, yeah. So if we're Mad Max, who cares about gold? Yeah. Right. It's, you know, the survival of the fittest stuff. So anyway, that's a little dark. But I'm just telling you that my sense is I want to play the odds on this one. So what do the odds favor? They favor taking a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about. All right. If I'm not thinking the world comes to an end, what should we do? Okay. All right, stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where Matt, let's not even waste time. You guys can find the you can find the podcast. It's a little John sure. FS. And we want to talk about how, so that if the end of the world isn't coming, right? How do you invest if the end of the world isn't coming? And why should you invest that way? Uh, because you want to beat inflation. I but feel like be, this, it's a simple, it's even easier than that, right? You want to make because money. Because the world's probably not coming to an end. Yeah. Right? If the world comes to an end, none of your money matters. Yeah. So if you think about the risk or reward, this is, I think they called it Pascal's wager, right? It's sort of an argument in Christian circles, like there's no downside to it. Why wouldn't you do it? Right? Well, that's Pascal's wager financially is what, what's the downside? Preparing for the end of the world. If it happens, then okay, you're right. It's one in a million, but your odds are, it's so astronomically stacked against you because everybody's interested in having the wheels keep spinning. Right. They may want them to spin a little different, but nobody really wants their indoor plumbing to fail. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't want to. You've had power outages. You don't want that permanently. Right. It, we're not interested in all 
becoming a feudal system again and a few strong people becoming survival of the fittest. We don't want that. No. Right? We like the comfort and luxury we have. As much as people, like, you want to ruin your day, go read Twitter for about 10 minutes and it'll just ruin your day and you'll hate your life. Did okay? you know I managed to avoid downloading Twitter all of these years? Well, you're not missing out on a thing. I'm not, huh? Let me tell you, because it's just this predatory circle of whiners, right? Hmm. And so if I look at that and go, great, you guys, everybody hates life. It's like you've, you just haven't experienced hardship anywhere. You know, people think they've seen poor until you haven't seen poor until you've seen third world poor. Yeah. Right. And let me tell you, that will open your eyes up. And all of a sudden you'll realize we fake hardship. Oh, right? yeah. The, a lot of the social justice movement of the day is it's I'm not to, you know, like be dismissive about people that genuinely experience hardship. But there are people that manufacture it. Right. On a daily basis. Yeah, And you just go. Our news media on. is the most guilty of that of anyone well i'm not going to point fingers right now i'm just going to say let's get real about uh we want the wheels to keep spinning as much as people would like to complain about it uh, they want to complain until they learn more and i've seen this time and time again is if you're operating on one percent knowledge you can double your knowledge and you still don't know squat okay? i like that congratulations you went from one percent to two percent you're still an idiot <laughs> i love that <laughs> and and guess what we all suffer from blind spots everybody nobody knows everything some people are really bright but nobody knows everything you're so, close david you're close no, to knowing everything no no i i have lots of blind spots ask my wife ah so if we are to assume that logically the better play statistically is that the wheels aren't going to fall off then what does it look like and first of all inflation is probably very real mm -hmm. so we need to adjust a couple of things expectation-wise. I'm going to frame something up for you all investment-wise. And Matt, this one's for you. What's the time horizon for investing? And I think it's a, your entire life because even once you're retired, you're still invested. Okay. I, I, too vague a question. Sorry. Okay. Um, what's the threshold between something being speculative versus an investment? Oh, that's a very, very narrow like gap yeah it, it, it mean, is subjective but i'm going to tell you in periods of inflation extend your time horizon okay yeah stop you gotta thinking, be able to ride the ups month and downs. to month or week to week yeah right you know you're looking at bitcoin going oh my gosh it, you know it was 67 you know three weeks ago and now it's at under 60 what is what happened right oh was the s p gonna fall like yeah it's gonna fall at some point like, yes mm -hmm. there i solved the problem for you yes it will fall what if it falls by 30 40 percent yeah that'll be a bummer as long as you don't have to take the money out when it's down yeah. 30%, that's the magic. I talked to a friend just the other day. They were investing in the stock market for the first time. They were establishing their retirement account. And they're like, hey, you know, I'm worried that the market's going to go down a little bit. And I said, you're going to be invested for 30 years. Like, right. are you really going to notice that little tiny hiccup in the grand course of 30 years? No. Yeah. It makes a difference. Don't, I'm not trying to diminish that but i would suggest that if the market were to collapse this is a good time to buy yeah right? buy mean, when it's on sale and that's why we dollar cost average too it is what are, what are you talking about so i mean if you bring in a hundred thousand dollars we're not going to drop all hundred thousand into the market at one moment in time we're going to spread that out so we might invest twenty five thousand this month wait a 
month or two, invest another twenty five thousand. And so then it'll, as, it'll be fat. It'll it'll yeah. be faster than like two months. Let me tell you. But but uh, for concept. Yeah. The concept, though, is, yeah, spread the risk out a little bit. So you mm-hmm. don't risk jumping in today and having the market be down tomorrow. Yeah. But you got to get into the market. If you're going to be an investor, you have to be invested. Okay? Mm-hmm. I really like let me say that again for you. If you're going to be an investor, you have to be invested. OK, when you pull out of the markets, then you're, you're saying one of two things. Right. I don't want to be an investor. Or I'm timing the market. That's okay? hard to do. It's statistically really hard. Now, somebody out there is listening or say, wait a second, Dave, don't you guys do that? I say, we will do that with portions of money. We will change position sizing because that's part of being tactical. But very, very rarely are we fully out of the market. There have been times it's occurred. And it was times when it was egregious collapses. Like when 2008, when everything was falling by 50%, you know, our every technical and quantitative signal we had said like run danger will robinson and so we kind of threw in the towel and just got out of the way and then at some point the mark the same marker said you should be buying again and we had to hold our nose to do it and it, was, it worked that must have been like a bad feeling jumping in it was the first time in my career because that was mm-hmm. my first decade at this point about the time it feels awful is the time that i start getting bold now yeah yeah, like right now, the mark I, of a good investor. I will tell you right now that um, when when novice people go buy IPOs and talk about how much money they're making, it's not that it makes me cringe. It just makes me go, "All right, we're there." I don't know what it is that when a market gets so frothy, though, that IPOs double in value in two weeks every time they launch, and yeah. that all every new thing, it's just it's 1999 again. I remember Pets.com buying Super Bowl ads with a stupid talking sock, right? And yeah. Pets.com doesn't exist anymore, right? Ouch. Not as a viable company. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, and and everybody said, well, this time it's different. It's a new economy, right? Everything's built on this this new expectation. I said, well, no, what's different this time is, in 2000, it was stock market got overinflated. In 2008, real estate markets got overinflated. In 2020, it was COVID, but when the real estate markets, it's because they shifted all the debt from the stock market into, you know, everybody's leveraged in their brokerage accounts to everybody became leveraged on their houses in 2008. Mm-hmm. So they put it on the bank's balance sheet, and then the banks collapsed. So now we put it on the Fed's balance sheet. I don't know whose balance sheet's left. Yeah, now we're watching these EV startups just go berserk. Well, we watch these things go berserk, and the question is, like, if the U.S. dollar collapses, I don't know what currency reemerges, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and that's you, yeah, you're going to well, get into lots of conspiracy theorists on, well, that's the Great Reset. What's the new currency? What's the euro of the whole world? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because there are some people that would be cheering for the collapse of the dollar, maybe China. I, I, although even that doesn't that, entirely make sense. No, because someone's got to buy all of the goods that they're producing. It, that's the thing. And so it's a question of do we get to a point where everybody has so much debt that there's just sort of a new agreement? Like you you make an arrangement with your debtors. That, that could if, be possible. And if, and if uh, you know, I'm thinking through this theory right now. Like out loud, I'm going to share with our listeners something that I'm thinking through that I haven't thought through before. We have massive, massive issues with the embedded risk in the pension systems for state and federal governments, right? Underfunded pensions across the country. Mm -hmm. And now we have the Federal Reserve 
piling tons and tons of money on their balance sheet. Would you include Social Security in that? Not necessarily. No. Social Security is more like dollars in, dollars out. That's just this sort of tax wash okay. of you know the current the current workers. So more are paying focusing for this. on pensions. It's not the pensions; it's the balance sheet. Think of all of the obligations and dollars, and all of the places that there's debt instruments. Oh, okay, I'm okay. following you now. If those debt instruments become super, super massive, but the Federal Reserve ends up with the lion's share of them on their balance sheet, mm -hmm. who's to say they couldn't change the rules? Like a default, in a sense. I don't know that it would have to be a default if they're the ones that own all the treasuries. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that are owed the money back. And they say, well, then don't pay us back. Oh. Right? It's not a default. It's just a they accept that they're not going to get paid back because they don't necessarily have to get So then, then they what can actually they finally clean back? up the balance sheet. Well, it, this is how you can come to a consortium of countries and say, well, we don't have to kill the dollar for us to revalue it to mm -hmm. create some different kind of agreement. What do you think that would do, though, to the overall value of the dollar? How radically would it change? I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. Um, you know, there it's are an interesting thought, though. And, and the Great Reset concept thinks along these lines. I just thought, hadn't thought about how they would do it. Mm -hmm. Right. But this is a way that you could functionally get it done is for the central banks to just continue to amass such a giant amount that at some point the central banks themselves could do sort of an agreement to like currency swaps. This is almost a good idea for a movie. Okay. Well, there you guys. You, you guys start... heard it here on this program first. Is... Well, what's our cut? <laughs> I don't know. And and what currency are they going to make us the cut for, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just wonder about this modern monetary theory and what's the end game. Hmm. Because it does it, there are there are two primary camps in this country right now whether you realize it or not. Tend to be folks that are nationalists and globalists. Right? And globalists tend to think more about, we need to be setting policy as the entire world. We don't need to worry about our borders as much as we need to worry about doing stuff for the whole planet. That's risky business. Well, it's risky business because people are tribal in nature and we mm -hmm. form subcultures. I mean, our, the United States is an interesting experiment with lots of sub-tribes. Absolutely. You know, and so... Uh, and the original design was that, look, leave the control to local. But the trend has been for people to sort of say, let's abandon local control. Yeah. Well, enter Douglas County, where you have a lot of people that really resist that because there's no, not a lot of local control in Oregon, relatively speaking. You know, we kind of get steamrolled by the population centers, a.k.a. Portland. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really frustrating locally. Uh, but there are a lot of people that sort of subscribe to this idea that, well, wouldn't it be better if we could all sing Kumbaya? Yuck. I say, maybe until some kind of dictator gets in charge. Mm -hmm. and, and then you're singing there too. Yeah. yeah, that's never a Kumbaya story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cuba. That's a little different. So so I, I still don't think it changes our reality, though, that in spite of all of the world events that may be going on, we don't have a better option right now other than to uh, like this is probably where some of these digital currencies have a place is because they are decentralized but the the government is still capable of taxing and implementing other restrictive things that make those hard to work with i'm surprised they haven't yet by the way that just i i can't figure that out why they well, haven't got involved and started regulating it. They I just, will, but think about like it, how long did it take to start regulating Google and Facebook? Actually, I don't know the answer to that. Decades. Was it? Yeah, because they moved faster than the government could. Hmm. And so it won't surprise me that crypto gets way down the path before the government catches up. 
But that doesn't mean the government won't catch up. They so, always find a way. They really do like Whenever their big money's involved, like they're going to get their nose in it. If the money flows, the market goes. There it is. Look, we got to take our last break. Stick around. We will be right back, and we will kind of put the uh, finishing touches on the conversation about how shall we position ourselves for inflation. But profit break first. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. Yeah, True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, home stretch of the True Wealth Show. And my advice to all of you that are, well, looking at the, the big picture of, you know, is the world going to come to an end? I would suggest no. But I would suggest that inflation being a real thing, you need to figure out a couple things. And one of them is examine your time horizon. If you think it's a get rich overnight scheme, that's really tough. Tough to get rich overnight. Not so tough to get rich over time. So, David, I want you to make me rich in like two weeks of investing. Go. Yeah. Can you start rich? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> darn. You got me there. <laughs> like, I can keep you rich. <laughs> uh, you know, it's so tricky. Uh, I there, it's We're back to blocking and tackling. Here's the thing about this market right now. When things start to get to where, when you when you hear this time, it's different rarely like I've never seen in my career that this time was different different things drive markets up because demand changes what you know what we want changes culturally as we as things become available as we adapt to things and get used to them right um, the style our style of architecture for homes has changed uh, the type of electronics that you want and how you interact with people has changed all those things have changed the size of pumpkin pies have changed just right. ask Costco and they should get bigger yes right uh, portions have changed waistlines have changed uh, insulin <laughs> levels have changed so <laughs> we, we really maybe some of those changes aren't so good but anyhow uh, I really encourage folks that investing right now is as important as ever because historically speaking, one of the best ways to maintain and increase purchasing power over time is still investing in stock markets, right? You need to do that risk appropriately for you, but that's where the investment concept comes in. It's not to be gambling and it's not to be something that's a get rich overnight scheme, okay? Markets can and will go down, but the question is, will they recover and go higher? And the probability in the history is very, very good. I'm willing to be on the radio and say, I think investing for the long term is still the way to go. I'm not saying it's the only way to go, but I'm saying that is the reason that Dave Ramsey can get on the air and say, I'd invest in mutual funds and growth, growth and income and uh, yeah, aggressive growth and international. First of all, those aren't investments, right? So they're categories that don't really exist. And so he's like, you can invest in unicorns and snapping turtles. And you're like, well, you'll find one of them. And it'll be hard. Uh, oh, my gosh. I love this right now. So point being, keep in mind, you are an investor. Okay? You cannot make money if you're not invested, if you're an investor. But you have to understand that there's fluctuation in account values. They don't only go up. We've been really, really spoiled for the last year and a half in like COVID's been shenanigans, right? They're printing money like crazy. Where does that money go, right? Some of it's going into the stock market and driving values higher. 
It's the nature of the machine, right? At some point, it will go down as well. If you find yourself sidelined, here's my advice. Again, this is from Warren Buffett. You should be fearful when people are greedy, and you should be greedy when people are fearful. Ooh, I like that. Okay? You should be fearful when people are greedy and greedy when people are fearful. And that's the nature of investing is you want to buy things when they are on sale or you want to buy things when there is clearly an advancing trend. Okay, We're not going to make sure. any investment recommendations today on this show. That's not how this show works. If you are interested in our opinions about investing, you can call us, right? And we can help. That's what we do. So call Little John Financial, 541-375-0898. We don't pitch it a lot on the show because we want this show to be about learning and we just want to talk about the issues and have fun with you guys. But many of you really need to kind of knuckle down and figure this out, right? And if you are making decisions where if your emotions, you're struggling to stay up at night or you're starting to get cagey, like I better do something, anything, that's where the danger happens, right? Yeah. Like Matt, you know that uh, they did a long-term study. Uh, Dalbar and Associates did a study, it covered 20 years. And oh, wow, found, that's a long one. Over 20 years, they found that investors did better working with financial professionals than on their own. It makes sense, though. Right. You start but making irrational you know decisions. Why? Yes, you do. Yeah, I mean, you're sitting there and you're thinking about your money and what should I do, and then you start making rash decisions. Yeah, it's the self-inflicted wounds. It's mm -hmm. getting impatient. It's doing things that are tax inefficient. That's a big one, by the way, is the, the oopsie, I made that mm -hmm. wrong move and it cost me taxes I didn't think about. Even if the move was sound, not looking at the entire picture could still be costly. So... That's part of why we're still around. Yeah. You know, artificial I mean, intelligence doesn't ask you trick questions. It just says, you know, the basic yes or no is, hasn't figured it out yet. So humans are still not a bad option. Yeah. If you don't know the difference between long-term and short-term capital gains, you need to give us a call. Right. All right. So, Matt, one more time. How do they reach us? 541-375-0898. All right. He's got it. He's officially on the team. We are out of time for now. So until next time, thanks for joining us. This is David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.